Yeah, it's all yeah. fun and games till you put a nail through your foot. Are you a busy Ruby developer who wants to take their freelance business to the next level? Interested in working smarter, not harder? Then check out the upcoming book, Next Level Freelancing, Developer Edition. Practical steps to work less, travel more, and make more money. It includes interviews and case studies with successful freelancers who have made a killing by expanding their consultancy, developed passive income through informational products, built successful SaaS products, and become rockstar consultants making a minimum of $200 an hour. There are all kinds of practical steps on getting started, and if you sign up now, you'll get 50% off when it's released. You can find it at nextlevelfreelancing.com. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and we have a special guest, Jonathan Shank. Hello. So, Jonathan, you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Sure. Uh, my name is Jonathan Schenk. I, uh, I've been working with virtual assistants for a couple of years, which is I guess, the reason that I'm, uh, I was invited kindly, uh, to, to be on your podcast. And, uh, I, uh, I got started a couple of years ago, kind of, I was, I was working on my own business on the side and I found that, uh, when the whole world of uh, virtual assistants was open to me and I realized there's so many people out there that could help me with, with my business, that it really was something that, uh, really helped me out quite a, quite a lot. So, um, as a result, I, uh, I've been working with them for a couple of years and, and I've had so much success personally that I kind of decided I just wanted to share that with others. And so, uh, I started the website, yourfirstvirtualassistant.com and a podcast and, uh, various other, uh, things that I, I basically just, just try and, uh, show people just from square one, how easy it is. To, to go out and find your your uh, your first virtual assistant, so that's kind of how it started. And uh, now, whenever I have a chance, I, I kind of spread the news of how you can use them on, on uh, various businesses. So I went to your talk at New Media Expo, and it seemed like you were mostly talking about Odesk. Is that the way you usually go, or are there other avenues you take to find people? Um, yeah, I would say the vast majority of what I use has been Odesk. Um, I've tried a lot of the other sites as well. And for me, how I work, it, it seems it seems to be the the best. At least, is it's really conducive to how I, I like to do things. For instance, if you have a fixed price job, um, it's 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 very easy to quickly have a small job, and you'll get a lot of people that that do inexpensive work. You go to some of the other sites, like you know, for coding, for instance, um, and you might find people, but typically for larger jobs. Um, I, I do so many smaller to mid-sized jobs that I find it pretty easy to use Odesk. And, and one of the features that, that seems to be useful there as well is the fact that if, you, if you're doing a job and it's, it's hourly, uh, they automatically track the VA's time and they have uh, little uh, screen captures every like 20 minutes or so and, and kind of make sure that uh, they're actually doing the work. And, and just in general, I just, it just, it could be one of those things where that's what I got, I got started with and I got used to it. And, and, you know, um, I, I just continued to use it. So, um, I know there are some new ones, like one of them is called Whitmart. W-I-T-M-A-R-T, for instance, um, basically, I think it's largely Chinese-based, and I always have my eyes open to to other places as well, but so far, Odesk has been my, my, my place of choice. I, I'm, I'm a little curious, what, what kind of jobs do you usually outsource to, to folks? 
I, I do quite a few types of jobs. If I put on my engineering hat, I'm an electrical engineer by trade. I have a, a nine to five job. And in fact, that the current job that I have, uh, which I which I started about a year ago, um, I'm an electrical engineer slash virtual assistant manager. So in that role, in my nine to five job, um, I do things such as go around the company and, and see different divisions, how they can use virtual assistants. So one example of that might be um, we have a sales team and uh, some of them are bilingual. They might be from Brazil, for instance, and they spend most of their time um, trying to make sales. However, the more sales you make, the more support you have. And so they would start to get a big backlog of translating documents into, into Portuguese, for instance. And so what I would do is I would go on like Odesk, for instance, and I would try and find someone who could translate the documents for us, who kind of knew our industry and, and who would kind of work well with us. So, so that's one example of kind of a practical thing of, of you, you can find, like since Odesk is kind of in, international, there's over a million folks there. I, I was pretty easy to find someone who lived in Brazil, um, for, for instance, to do some translational work. Um, Another example would be just basic research, um, whether it's like uh, an engineer like myself, I'm trying to find some new technology, some new hardware or whatever. If it's something that's not super technical that you have to be an expert to search on it and you can do a Google search on it, I'll just write up a one paragraph. I'm looking for this particular type of hardware and it needs to have X, Y, and Z. And here are three links for examples of what I'm looking for. I'll send that to a VA and then uh, they can go and they can search and it might be $2 an hour, for for example, and it gets been 20, 20 hours um, and free up my time to do some do some engineering work. That's kind of on the engineering side of what, what you can do. Uh, on the personal side, you can, the, the, the possibilities are pretty endless as well. Just kind of a one example is um, my wife, for instance, she, we've been married for, for over 10 years and uh, she has this big, she has all this huge stack of envelopes from friends and family throughout the years. And then she has directories from church and she's got printouts from five years ago when she tried to make or we tried to make a list of addresses and things like that. And she had addresses from when we got married and who we were going to send the wedding invites to. But this is all hard copy stuff. And she was going to go and type all that stuff into the computer. And I said, hold on. Why don't I just take pictures of all the stuff and I'll get someone to type it in for us? And so I did that. I took Hira's pictures of all the envelopes, all all the uh, the hard copies of everything, and uh, it took it took someone about it's about seven hours of work, and I paid them fifteen bucks, and you know it freed up two overnights, uh, and we got an Excel contact sheet that had like um, you know four four hundred contacts in there, so. It, it's just it's there's there's tons and tons tons and tons of things you can do, but there's just that's just a couple examples, for instance, how you could use them. Interesting. Yeah, I have a, a transcriptionist or two. I don't remember because I have a VA that manages those folks. Sure. Um, and uh, I've hired them on Odesk, and uh, they're in the Philippines, so their mm-hmm. native tongue isn't English, but their English is good enough to where it is mostly correct, and you know, so we can pretty much just get those transcriptions and just put them on the websites. And so it's, it's really nice that way. And, and I've really, I've really liked that. I've been looking on Odesk as well for a, um, a bookkeeper because, mm-hmm. uh, back in October, I may have gone into this nightmare on this show. I'm not going to rehash everything that happened, but basically 
Um, I was working with a VA firm here in the U.S. Um, things didn't work out with them. Um, the VAs they gave me were just flaky and didn't get stuff done. So I, I dropped them, picked up this other person that now um, manages all of the shows, and she's been terrific. Um, but one of the services they offered was bookkeeping. And so I've been trying to replace the bookkeeper that they had working on my stuff and I need to get it done so I can get my taxes filed. Sure. I'm not really sure the best way to go about hiring somebody. My CPA's office here is, is rather expensive as far as bookkeeping goes. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm looking for somebody else online that, that I can get, go with to get that done. And I'm, I've looked on Odesk, but I'm just not sure how to pick people. Does that, sure. Does that make sense? Do you have any suggestions for how to pick the right people? Yeah, well, you got a couple things in play there. In any job, you know, there's there's how do you pick someone who's who's good? And I guess what I'd say about that is, you know, there's just kind of a skill as far as seeing if they have the skills that you that you need, if they have a high rating on Odesk, things like that. And there's just kind of the general method of doing that. But when you're talking about someone like an accountant, you need someone that you can trust, right? You don't just want to send it to Joe Schmo. And for something like that, I would probably advise going with someone that has a firm that manages them. You can find you can find contractors like that on Odesk. Um, but for, for something that, that has to do with, it, with that type of personal nature, I, I wouldn't go with the individual um, person on Odesk, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The other, the other thing you have going too is you kind of have a low margin of error because you got to have your taxes done and it's got to be done now and it has to be correct. And anytime you bring up anyone new, regardless it's on, if it's an ODESC or whatever, that's, that's kind of an HR issue where you have to ask yourself, does this person provide the quality that I can trust? And, and so that's where you tend to have to pay a premium to get someone you can trust, i.e. your local, local CPA or, or whatever. Um, one of the, one of the things with VAs that I tend to do is it's kind of a, a longer process where you go and you try someone and you try someone else and, and you eventually start building this network of folks that you can trust. And that's good for kind of a long, long-term situation. But if you have something that has to be done right then, um, you don't quite have the advantages of trying to find someone who's inexpensive and reliable, you know, and can do exactly what you, what you need to do. That can be a little tough. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that's kind of what I heard too is um, someone recommended, like if you're looking at research or something, hire three different people to do it. And of those, pick like the best two, give them another kind of a bit more either larger or more time critical job. And then of the two who do that, you know, pick the one that did it the best and then stay with them kind of for the long-term relationship or, you know, try to like build up a relationship over, you know, six months to 12 months, um, try one person, then try another one. And, you know, but like he was saying, if, you know, you need to get your taxes done in the next few months, which means your bookkeeping needs to be done in the next month or so. So you're kind of, you're on a deadline. And so now you have to probably pay for a more professional level service. Right. Absolutely. Sure. The next question I have is, how do you identify the things that you can outsource to somebody else? The things that you can outsource are obviously something that someone can do remotely. And I kind of I kind of like to back it out just just one notch um, and not just focus on on that. I like to I think it's when, when someone tries to hire a VA for the first time, they haven't done one before. I know you I know you have. Yeah, one of the things you have to do is is uh, change the mindset and and not think 
in terms of what do I have in front of me that seems to be the most pressing because that oftentimes can be the thing that only you can do because if you're an expert programmer, it's going to be very hard for you to get someone to offload what you are best at and you know what you are specifically looking to do. However, there might be other areas in your life where you can be more efficient. And so if you start thinking in terms of what are some of the things that like are repetitive, um, what are some of the things that I can write uh, a paragraph or instruct someone? And what are some of the things that, like, let's say I had an intern or another employee that, that I could explain how to do and then they could go do them. You can start thinking of some of the things that uh, a VA can do for you. And it really has, it really just a matter of, of uh, figuring out how to systematize the type of things that you were, you were looking to do. Um, the other trick is, you can think about the things that you dread to do and the things that you hate to do and that kind of suck your, your brain power. And oftentimes those are good candidates too. Um, let's say you're creative and you have a job that's really tedious. It can be pretty easy to find someone who's, who has that opposite mindset to you and they'll actually be able to do the work more than, you know, even more effectively than you can. So I guess in short, what it comes down to is the strategy I use in general is you focus on doing what you are, what your core competence, competency is. And then um, you kind of delegate the rest of the stuff that is just kind of in support of that. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes a lot of sense. So one more question, and then I'll let Eric start asking questions. It seems like on Odesk, there are a lot of people that are overseas and a lot of people that are on, on this side of the seas, I guess, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and the domestic workers seem to be more expensive than the overseas workers. Not always, but but generally. And so I'm trying to figure out when it's appropriate to hire somebody on this side of the ocean versus the other side. Sure. Um, well, I guess a lot of times it kind of comes down to the suitability of the job. Um, if it's something that, you know, that there's, there's just some jobs that it just is a better fit to have someone locally. Um, for instance, if it's something that has to do with, um, you kind of need, you need to know a background or a bit of information on, um, you know, something that only someone in the U.S. or a Westerner would understand, something that might have to do with some sort of high-tech skill that is more prevalent in the U.S. I, I guess really what it comes down to is never forget that someone who's inexpensive, ineffective at what you're looking to do is going to cause you to, to have uh, more work and it's actually going to lose you money. So really kind of starts with figuring out for a particular job or a need that you have, what are the skills that are needed to accomplish that job and who is going to have that. Uh, as an example for, for myself, I uh, recently uh, I had a 401k from a previous job. And uh, this guy was came in and he was he was telling me, well, you should go with this portfolio and blah 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 and, and invest your money with with our company. And I had some financial questions for him, and uh, I was I was in a pinch and I needed an answer the next day. So on um, so I actually leveraged I used Odesk to find some financial information um, where I said like go to Morningstar and do an analyst, and, and I found a guy in, in uh, Bangalore, for instance, um, in, in India who is in the financial market, uh, who's, who does a lot of finance stuff. And, and so on one hand, he kind of knew 
uh, how to kind of evaluate this, these other investments to tell me if they're any good. And since he's on Odesk, you know, he was quick. I could get him right away. So that was a plus. Um, and so he got me about 80% of, of the answer that I needed. But, but also at the, at the same time, even though he was quick and he was available and he was an expert in his field, he wasn't an expert on, you know, USB stocks because that's not what he was what he was used to so he had to do some research on that and so the next day i was able to find someone else locally who could answer some of my other questions and you know that was an example of kind of using the best of both worlds there's no way i could have like at uh at nine at night getting gotten a hold of a, a financial expert but over in india you have to around the world it's in the morning and people on odesk are there all you know are, 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 are always looking for work so it was easy for me to get on Skype and talk with the guy, but at the same time, I still needed to find someone more local and U.S.-based to, you know, really understand uh, all the ins and outs of, of what I was looking to get done. And that's kind of a question I have is when you're hiring people, do you tend to kind of have a, a set of regulars that you go back to for most projects, or do you tend to kind of open up a new project and kind of let, you know, anyone in, new people in, and keep sampling like a whole bunch of groups like how do you kind of balance that well a lot of your jobs can largely be clumped into types of things for instance um graphic design for my website or or whatever uh i have one person that i really really like she's just amazing and uh, she does an excellent job so i tend to go back to her for just about everything i i need with that so i found someone who's good with graphic design uh, audio editing is another example where I have a couple of people that, that I trust for audio for editing my podcast because, again, it's not just having a skill set. It's understanding how your business works. And if you already have invested the time into someone where they understand you and your business and your needs, then they kind of have that tribal knowledge already. And so they're going to be more effective for you than even if you could find someone a little less expensive, but you had to go through the training process again um same thing with web research if i have to do some web research i have and it has to get done like the next day and it has to be correct i have a couple people that i've used before and i can just ping them on skype and say hey are you available and and if so here's what i can do or here's what i need what, what i need to be done but then you have the jobs that are like really really specific like uh for coding it might be hey i'm trying to find someone who does you're trying to you're trying to find i don't know about a particular function or or there's a, a certain method that you don't know that you're not aware of and so you can always what i do on something like that is i i, I can just throw up a job on odesk and say i'm looking to do x y and z and in, in that case then you open it up and, and you see kind of who, who pops up so it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a balancing act um but the longer you do it the more people you have to draw from and and the bigger your network becomes of of folks that you can like in a, at a moment's notice um ask for help from yeah i kind of like the idea of building up a set of people that you can go back to for the same kinds of jobs and i remember while we were at uh, new media expo i guess i should tell people um Jonathan and I split the cost on a room at New Media Expo, and so I, I got to see quite a bit of him. And uh, I remember uh, him getting online. <laughs> and don't, uh, don't take that the wrong way. Yeah. We're both happily married. Thank you very much. That's right. <laughs> to other people. Thank you very much. Yeah, there you uh, go. Um, but, yeah, he, he would get on Skype, and or, or we'd just be chatting, and he'd mention that, yeah, 
you know, one of my, one of my guys in, you know, wherever, India, Philippines, whatever, um, you know, I, I had him take care of this or that, you know, while I was out and about and, you know, just, just it was just interesting. He, he kind of has this, uh, list of people that he can go to for, for different stuff. Yeah. That's, uh, when people think about, you know, six to 12 months from where they are today, that's one of the things I like to encourage people about. I, I say, you know, you might be intimidated by using a, a virtual assistants or maybe you think it's going to be frustrating or maybe you've had a couple bad experiences with it, but you know, it's a skill that needs to be, that needs to be developed. But once you develop but um, once you learn how to go and, and identify your job and um, figure out who who can do, you know, who's a quality uh, virtual assistant for you and then su- successfully manage it, you can start to build up a, you know, a large uh, and it's and it's not even so much an employee employee relationship. It's 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 a network of, of relationships, period. Um, you know, they're my friends, uh, virtual assistants, they're entrepreneurs, just like uh, most people like you and I are, they, uh, you know, th- th- they can really relate to you. And, and it's a very quick way to just kind of develop almost a community of, of folks that, that, uh, you know, you're, you're friends with, and, and they're happy to help you out. And you're, you know, you're providing for their family at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, it, it really makes a lot of sense. I have a question. If, like, I'm, a very heavy control freak and have never really been taught how to delegate. Like I delegate a few things, but it's very ad hoc and I'm, I know I'm not good at it. What advice would you give to me or someone else who wants to improve their skill at delegating and kind of get started with outsourcing some things, but they don't know how to start and they're afraid of making mistakes? What, what kind of, what advice would you give them, say, for the next three to six months to kind of improve it? Sure. Well, well, the first thing, like anything, it's it's largely it's a mental issue. You know, you it, it's a, the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure, the fear of screwing up, making people mad, whatever. Like like a lot of things in business, you just got to go for it. As far as the mechanics behind it, you can post. There's tons of jobs, five to ten dollars on Odesk. So you can pick anything. I, I I would suggest something that you're interested in, something that you're good at, so you can manage someone and you know if they're doing a good job or not. But I would just pick a, a specific task and say, I'm going to find someone who can do this for me. I could do it myself and maybe it will take you. It, it's probably worth it if, it, if it's something that might maybe could take you five hours, you know, as opposed, to, as opposed to just like an hour or two. But find something that might take you a bit of time um, and just go through the process of, of going to Odesk and posting a job and, and starting to interview the candidates. And uh, you you will learn so much in your in your first few jobs that your delegation skills will start to go up, and and that's something that's transferable to all sorts of areas in your life. You know, aside from VAs, that you can it, it can help you with uh, you know other areas in your business, and and it's a great skill to have once you once you start to do it. Um, on my website, for instance, I I I, uh, I kind of walk through a, a method of step by step and you know there's various podcasts and things that, that I that I uh, I step through those and I mean honestly I'd, I'd send someone there I'm not I'm not making any money on the, the site or anything I just like to teach people how to uh, how to use them but you know I, I just I just encourage people just just give it a shot you really you the, the 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 downside is really low and the upside is really high yeah, I, I like that too. Just the idea that, you know, if you want to try and delegate something, you pick something that doesn't cost a lot and then, then your risk is real low. Are there any mistakes that people make when they're getting started with, um, outsourcing? 
I would say the biggest mistake that people make is that if and when the job does not go exactly as planned, and especially at first, uh, oftentimes, oftentimes it does not, um, we tend to assume that the issue is with the other person, like uh, they, 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 they were careless or weren't listening or whatever. And usually most of the times, especially at first, and especially if you don't have, if you're not a manager and you don't have a lot of experience delegating, usually the issue is on your side where you weren't clear either in your thinking on what you wanted and you kind of kept changing the scope of the job. Or if you were clear in your thinking, you might not have explained very clear what you wanted because that is one of the what that is one of the steps that people try and gloss over is that they want something done and they just say, I want someone to do X. But really there's probably like four or five to ten to twenty discrete steps and discrete ways to specify something that they needed to lay out and spend about five minutes actually laying now exactly what they're looking for so they're not frustrated um like for for example if you just do a basic web research job um say say you want to see some potential clients that you know for a, a product you're offering or you might offer and you want someone to do a search for in like a 50 mile radius um all the companies that do x so you might say i'm looking for someone i'm looking for all the companies that um I don't know. I'm looking for I'm looking for all the plumbers in a, in a 40 mile radius. And if that's all you said, uh, and then send me a spreadsheet. If that's all you said, you might get people that you know have in that, that give people's name that that end in plumber, or um, you might get the addresses but not the phone numbers, or you might get the addresses, the phone numbers, um, all this additional information. And so you someone spends 15 hours when really it could have been done in two hours. And, a lot, and you can just be frustrated, whereas if you just would have spent five minutes and said, I'm looking for plumbers and a plumber is going to entail X, Y, and Z. Here's a spreadsheet with the columns I'm looking for, and I filled, in, uh, filled out two examples um, so you can understand exactly what I'm looking for. Please go and provide me 20 contacts or spend up to an hour and get back with me. You know, and, and it's, it's, it all has to do with your technique and laying things out at first. Um, and, and it's basically garbage in, garbage out. The, the, the better, the better you clarify things up front, both in your mind and in how you, uh, how you explain them, the better your results are going to be. So I have a somewhat loaded question. It's, so this is something that I'm not, in fact, I'm not even remotely close to comfortable doing, <laughs> but I'm, yep. I'm curious as to what your advice is, you know, whether or not you would advise it or if there are good ways of making it less risky. But, um, I mean, my business is writing code for people and, um, I've, I've thought long and hard about expanding my business to, uh, basically include subcontractors or other service providers that, uh, either are related to my business, like designers, etc., or, um, other programmers. And I, I've really, really hesitated about even looking on Odesk for for other programmers that I could uh, subcontract out I I'm I'm much more comfortable dealing with people that I I know but you know assuming that I don't have a network of people that I can just go to is it advisable to do that kind of thing and is there a good way of doing that kind of thing Let me ask you this what are the potential cons that would prevent you and and make make you be hesitant to do that Well code quality is kind of a big deal so I mean, if people are, I charge a premium price for, for, for programming. 
Um, I honestly don't think I'm, I'm, I'm outside of the ballpark of people at, at the skill level that I offer and that the value is fair, but you know, it's, it's significantly more than the 30 or 40 bucks an hour that some people seem to think they can get a good developer for. And right. so if I am selling a service where I write code at that level, I want people who are subcontracting for my company to also perform at that level. Sure. So one of the things you would have to make sure you have to ask yourself, regardless if it's a VA or not, is how, and this is, this is just a expanding your business question, is how do you ensure quality control if you're not the one driving all the code and, you know, you're not the one exchanging money for time or money for time, yeah, money, time for money or whatever. How do you take yourself out of the loop of your own business? That's, that's one of the first things you have to do. You have a systemic challenge that you have to overcome before you even look at who you'd hire. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, for me, I would, I thought you, the direction I thought you were going to go was you were working on a, developing a product, for instance, and you were hesitant to have someone on a third world country or halfway around the world work on it because you're afraid they're going to steal your idea, take your techniques or things like that. I, I didn't know which way you were going with that. But to address, to address the, the question you brought up, I think that's just a natural progression of any business is to figure out how to take yourself out of the loop if you want to really grow. But then it, you take, you know, you, you, you figure out a way that you can ensure it's quality code. And part of that, like, like for instance, I spent, I spent a good 40 hours training uh, an electrical engineer in the Philippines remotely on something that he, it, it was a, it was a field. He was not, it was, it was an audio and, and he just did not have much audio background to begin with, but he was a very intelligent individual. He was getting his master's degree. He was a fast learner. He was interested. And after I finished training him, he knew how to do what I needed him to do even better than I could do it. And he was quicker because he'd spent more time doing it. And so I was able to take myself out of the role of doing this, what, what at first I would have assumed was a, oh, well, I'm the audio guy. I know audio and I'm an electrical engineer and I can do this and I can put all this stuff together, which is true. But um, once I showed someone how to do it and they came up with better ideas, um, I had a system in place that I could validate what he was doing. But man, it really freed me up to move on to other areas that I enjoyed better and, and to be more of a program manager. And that's kind of, that's kind of part of the hesitancy that I see with a lot of, a lot of engineers or software developers or, or whatever is, is if you have the mindset and the mentality of, this is mine and I just want to do it and I don't want to talk to other people. I don't want to be messed with. I just want to, just, I just want me and my project. Well, you know, you're not going to do very well with delegation period. Um, and, and you, you kind of have to get out of your comfort zone and also kind of get over yourself. If, if your goal is to, um, expand your business or make more money or whatever. Now, now again, if that's not your goal, then great. You know, you, you don't, you don't have to do that. You can be perfectly happy, you know, being the premium code guy. Um, but if you want to expand and if you have other reasons that, that you're looking to bring other, bring additional help or make more money, that's one of the first things you have to realize is, is to be willing to shift your mindset because it will be, it will be kind of challenging mentally to, to, to do that at first. So have you looked at any of the services like fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com? 
Yeah, you can get some of the best bang of the bang for the buck for for things there for a couple of reasons. Um, they have they have two 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 dynamics going on there. One is they can crank out the same thing over and over again, pretty much. They start at like a they have a template. Uh, I'm thinking. I guess I'm thinking in terms of like someone who's doing a, a video intro for you, or or you know, various projects like that. They can they can do one thing and make it um, make it really impressive looking, and then they can sell a bunch of them in, in bulk and very quickly. The, the other thing that that comes into play, people uh, people want to use Fiverr to get the foot in the, their foot in the door, and then hopefully that'll lead to other things. Like for instance, there was a guy who's in the U.S. who offered to remotely um, remove a virus from my computer for five bucks, and the poor guy spent like three hours on my machine before he cleaned it off. And I'm like, well, why is he doing this? And then I realized it's like, oh, it's because next time I have a virus, I'm going to be coming to him because he was successful. So you can kind of take advantage of that on, on sites like Fiverr, and you can take advantage of that on sites like Elance, Odesk, etc. Because you have to understand, at any given time, there's always a, a group of people that are just trying to break into either Fiverr or Odesk or Elance or whatever. They just they're just trying to get their foot in the door, get some recognition, so they're willing to provide some excellent value uh, and great quality work for very inexpensively. Yeah, I actually have some experience with Fiverr because. Uh, my first book I paid to have the, a digital cover made for it. And I think it costs like 50, maybe 60 bucks. Um, they gave me, you know, flat cover, the, like a 3D one, um, right. a, you know, all the different varieties. And then the next book I wrote, I wanted the same cover, like the same basic design, but I wanted the title changed and kind of the front picture. So I want to have like a consistent brand. And then by that time, instead of going and paying a hundred bucks to get a new cover, that's, you know, 50% the same. I actually went to Fiverr and said, Hey, I have this cover. I just want these few things changed, but I want it, you know, basically changed and then output it into the three or four different uh, formats and views. And so I actually bought, I think, four or five different Fiverr deals to do that and told them, like, you know, this is the kind of image I want on the front. And each one came back with a, a different picture. And I ended up picking the best one and basically threw the other four away. And, you know, it kind of seems like a waste, but then when you think about it, I only paid 25 bucks and actually got five different opinions that I could actually go off of. It was a great deal for me. And I didn't have to go and get Photoshop or try to use GIMP. I didn't have to try to search the web for an image or anything. I think it took about an hour of my time in total just <laughs> to have it all done. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to do it. That's kind of using the crowdsourcing method that you get on some of those other sites like, uh, what is it, 101? 99 yeah, 101 designs, things like that, where, yeah, you get a whole bunch of people and and uh, you get some really quality work for very inexpensive. So are there are there other resources? What about um, these uh, U.S.-based VA firms? Um, the one that I used that I I dumped was uh, Contemporary VA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you had much experience with them and what, what's kind of your opinion on when you should go with them and when you shouldn't? Sure. Um, honestly, I have I haven't um, gone with any domestic places, if for no other reason that I'm still kind of in the initial stages of of building businesses slash hobbies. So I I don't have the I, I can't I can't justify the the amount of work and and the cost. Um, but 
I have talked to, and even even when I was in New Media Expo in, in Vegas, you know, a month ago, I talked to a number of people that have had success kind of when their business is in the in the growing stage where they have maybe 10 to 20 hours of work they can delegate and they just need someone to be consistently there day in and day out and so um and uh, also if it's the sort of thing where you're going to have to be interfacing with customers uh, maybe working on flights and itineraries um, a lot of things that someone who's u.s based uh, would be good at, then, uh, you know, I, I, I know that can make a lot of sense. So I think I think that can be a great opportunity and, and it can work really well. But like you said, uh, it, it, it can be a bit of a double-edged sword where on Odesk, if someone's kind of flaking out on you, you just go find someone else. Um, but on, on something like that, you would hope the quality is higher initially. But if you get into a situation where you're dissatisfied, then you might be locked into a contract or it's going to cost you more money to switch or, or whatever. You're just you're you have a bigger investment at stake to, you know, make changes with with that VA. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there any questions we should have asked, Jonathan? You know, I, I just I just think it's the sort of thing that uh, I just encourage folks to to give it a shot. And uh, I guess I guess one question I have people have asked me before, uh, which might be useful to cover a bit, is uh, can you really get like really technical stuff done? Um, like, okay, I know you can get a generalist and, and this or that, but what if I have a really, really niche thing? Like, you know, what if it's, it's Ruby on rails or, or whatever, can you really find someone that that's going to be successful at that? And, and that's the sort of thing. It, it, it kind of varies by what it is. If it's super specific, there might be l less people out there, but you would be surprised, um, what types of experts you can find out there. And, you know, I guess what I always say is if you're not sure, if you think, well, someone can't possibly know that, um, just post a job and, and see and, you, and you'll be surprised. Like at, like at my company, for instance, we needed a, someone who's experts in, in a particular type of plastic and who knew about Chinese sourcing and, and things like that. And so we just threw out a job. You know, we were looking for this type of plastic. I didn't know what it was. I was just cutting and pasting from what someone else told me we needed. And we're looking to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, two days later a phd contacted us and he knew all the stuff about all these all these uh, plastics that i had no idea about um so i would just say you know there's a huge community of, of people out there and um if you're wondering if someone can actually help you with something really really specific and really technical just just give it a shot you know it can't hurt and you might find someone who's really awesome that can really really impact your business awesome all right good deal we're going to go into the pick section then i'm going to make eric go first yeah, that's normal. That's um, normal. <laughs> so my pick today is a blog post on BidSketch. It's titled Freelance Marketing 101, Creating a Magnetic Freelance Business. Uh, I saw, uh, I think yesterday, it's pretty good. It actually talks about kind of a couple, uh, I think three things about how to kind of change your marketing if you're a freelancer and what to do. And realistically, like the first one's uh, about blogging. The second one is what is it called uh, appearances. And then the third one is SEO. And it's not like kind of the run of the mill, like this is how you blog, this is how you do SEO, but it's actually kind of pretty, pretty different topics. And it's a lot of the, the first one and the third one, the blogging and the SEO are kind of how I've been doing it for the past few months. And I found some pretty good results from that. So 
it's a good article. I'd recommend anyone just kind of taking it a read and, you know, maybe if you can't do all three, try to pick out at least one or two and it might be a pretty good boost to your business. Sounds good to me. I've got a couple of picks. My first pick, um, I'm not sure if I've picked it before, but uh, it's a Presto digital timer. It's basically a kitchen timer. It is a kitchen timer. It's It's got three buttons on it, minutes, seconds, and stop, start. The reason that I like it or what I've been using it for is um, one of my clients, we have our Agile estimations meeting. And um, lately, um, those estimations meetings have turned into basically... Uh, story writing and feature clarification meetings, which they're not really supposed to be. And so we as a team decided that we were going to limit ourselves to five minutes of discussion. And then if we couldn't come to a consensus on the, on the estimation, then we would just drop it and, and throw it back to the product owner for more clarification. Cause clearly it's not clear enough for us to talk about and estimate within five minutes. And so that's, that's really helped. The first time I used it, the, the project uh, manager, cause this was a decision taken by the team. Um, and he was actually there when we took the, when we made the decision. But, uh, for some reason, the first time I used it, it really pissed him off. <laughs> but anyway, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I got it off of Amazon. And so this is the pissed off presto timer. Is that right? Yeah. It, it costs like three bucks. And then the other uh, pick that I have is it's actually somebody in the podcast mastermind. Jonathan's also in the podcast mastermind. Incidentally, that's how we met. His his name is David Solar, and I'll put a link to his uh, website in the show notes. But basically, he is a sales and marketing coach, and uh, he's actually uh, been helping me with the marketing for the Rails ramp up course. And in exchange, I've been helping him with some technical stuff. Um, but he has, his advice has been pure gold. So I really want to uh, promote him and, and say nice things about him because he's really, really helped me. So, uh, I, I'm going to recommend that if you want to, um, ramp up on your sales and marketing, uh, go talk to him and see what he has to offer. And, uh, those are my picks. Jonathan, what are your picks? Uh, my pick is a website and a book called by the same name called Work the System uh, by Sam Carpenter. And he basically takes businesses and life and whatever and looks looks at it through, through the lens of a system. And if you're having trouble with a particular issue, um, he kind of helps you to analyze what's broken in the system possibly to help fix it. And when you're doing things like delegation, for instance, it's really helpful to have a better grasp for how your business is working, um, the bottlenecks, and, and the ways that you can improve if you kind of break it down, break it down into the moving parts and see why you, why you might be uh, hitting roadblocks again and again. Um, I, I found it a, a pretty pretty interesting read. Uh, it is a bit pitchy. It does seem to kind of want encourage you to um, buy a very expensive product if you're if you're a business and you know that route. But if you overlook that, uh, it's just a good way, a, a new kind of refreshing way to uh, analyze analyze life and analyze uh, your business in, in terms of a systematic approach. All right, cool. Sounds sounds interesting. I might have to go look at that. All right. Well, thanks for coming to the show, um, Jonathan. It's it's been great. Thanks for having me. Um, I think I think it really will kind of inform our our listeners as far as you know what they can outsource and where they want to go and do it. So, 
It's uh, been a pleasure. So one, one more time, where do people go to find you online? You can go to your, Y-O-U-R, firstvirtualassistant.com. And I also have a podcast by the same name in iTunes. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll wrap this show up. We'll catch you all next week.